Welcome to Peak Mind. I'm your host, Michael Trainer, and I am extremely excited for this week's episode with the one and only Guapale. Guapale is a dear friend. I've known her for now more than a decade um, since I lived in Oakland, and she is an incredible, incredible artist. She is also an incredible activist and has been uh, for quite a number of years. She comes from a profound lineage of activists. In fact, her father was uh, a leading political, political activist in the anti-apartheid movement in South Africa. Her name actually also uh, means move forward in the Setswana language of South Africa. And she is uh, just such a radiant light. Um, we recorded this conversation during the, the sort of uh, co- coronavirus COVID era, and it's a bit of a remote, uh, she was in a bit of a remote location. Um, and it was prior to the, uh, the beautiful movement that is, that is flowering forth uh, as it relates to Black Lives Matter and the protests we are now seeing around the world. Um, so it was recorded before then, but I think the, the wisdom that she shares is totally salient. I mean, we talk about, for example, the power of music in the anti-apartheid movement. And we talk about a lot of uh, topics that I think you'll find profound value in. She's just such a wise, wise soul and an incredible human. And she's been on the front lines uh, fighting for... Um, for human rights and for our shared uh, dignity and grace through her voice, um, both as an activist and her incredible voice as a musician. Her music totally resonates with me. Um, And I think if you are out there listening, you will get a tremendous amount of inspiration from this episode. Before we get into it, I wanna give a shout out to my partners. The first is One Farm by Wayab. One Farm has been my go-to CBD source. They have uh, an incredibly uh, potent and beautiful organic hemp extract that I use. Everything is hand harvested, hand picked. Uh, of the most potent uh, CBDs that I've found in regards to sort of assuaging anxiety, which has been something that I have had challenges with in the past. And I think in collaboration with my meditation and breathwork practices really, really served me. Um, but they're based out of Boulder. Uh, they have, you know, they use a C, uh, CO2 extraction and it is of the best you'll find on the market. I did a tremendous amount of research. It's, it's even um, combined with organic MCT oil, which is really great for your brain. So I'm a huge fan. Check them out. One Farm dot com backslash peak again that's one farm dot com backslash peak and if you put in peak mind at checkout you get 20 percent off your order again that's peak mind at checkout and you'll get 20 percent off your order this episode is also brought to you by blue blocks blue blocks are my go-to glasses for when the day turns to night um Light hygiene is something that's infrequently discussed, but extraordinarily powerful. I actually sat down with the founder, Andy Mance, and I'm going to be publishing that episode soon. It is a chuck full of information in regards to how one can protect themselves from a lot of the harmful artificial light that we're surrounded by in our environment. 
and I use blue blocks uh, every day to kind of mitigate against the risk and also to keep my circadian rhythms in check. I've been doing these amazing 7 a.m. workouts, and part of the reason I've been able to do that is because I have set my circadian rhythms such that uh, I can really maximize my sleep uh, by not having my brain triggered by artificial blue light from my screens, from my computer screen if I'm working late, from my phone. So really love their their uh, glasses. They're scientifically proven. I think they're the best in class. Uh, check them out. Blueblocks, B-L-U-B-L-O-X.com. And if you put in peak at checkout, you'll get 15% off your order. Again, that's blueblocks.com and put in peak for 15% off your order. Uh, all the links are in the show notes below. And without further ado, it's my great pleasure to introduce the one and only Guapale. All right, I'm here with my friend Guapale. Guapale, it's wonderful to be with you. Good to be with you too. So um, we've been we've been working on making this happen for a little while now. As we record, we are in quarantine, uh, so we are we're yeah. doing this over Skype. But uh, but I'm grateful to uh, to have a little time nonetheless. Uh, thanks for making th- thanks for making the time. For sure. I mean, I feel happy to stay connected and remember to stay connected, even like in all this social distancing. It's really surreal. It is. You and I talked about that on the phone. We had an epic conversation last week about well, we talked about South Africa. We talked about quarantine. We talked about death quite a lot, actually, because, as I mentioned, my my father just passed about a month ago. Uh, And it was a really beautiful conversation. But I think that's one of the things that's coming up right now, right? It's like we're in this period where there's this collective questioning and existential quandary as it relates to, you know, death ultimately, right? Because that's what a pandemic, that's what the great fear is, is being, that's being sort of triggered. Totally. How have you been totally. navigating through that, that, uh, those waters, if you will? You know what? It's really I, I feel like now more than ever, I'm trying to be like present. And one of my goals is peace of mind. Mm. And um, I feel like we've been doing pretty good. You know what I mean? Especially, I couldn't have imagined an idea of something like this. Um, I think if I would have thought about it before it happened, it would have felt like the end of the world and I might have been completely freaked out. But there's something about knowing that we're all in this together and there are a lot of um, people that are sick and who we've lost, but there's also a lot of people thriving. And I just kind of have to keep coming back to like, okay, what am I thankful for? Even if it's having an amazing meal, you know, that I'm cooking for the family, like, Let's be thankful for that. Anytime I can get some fresh air, let me be thankful for that. Mm. How can I turn this time into like a creative, productive time and stop stalling on all the things that I've wanted to do that I've been waiting to not be busy for, waiting to not travel and things like that. Um. So that's helping me keep a perspective to just like, it's all right, let's just come back to it. And I have to reset sometimes, you know, 
some days are kind of easy and more relaxing, but some days are like, ah, you know, (laughs) (laughs) I've been following the same, the same protocol. That's been my medicine is, uh, is dropping in on the gratitude. You know, I I feel like Mm -hmm. I just, I actually just did a a post because it really resonated with me and I'd seen it before, but you know, that notion of like, I have clean water to drink, uh, which I'm doing actually a well for my dad in Ethiopia, uh, in his honor for his legacy. And I was like, awesome. you know, some people do not have clean water to drink, you know, I have food yep. to eat, you know, and I just saw a line, yep. for example, uh, of people, um, I believe it was actually like Zimbabwe, where literally it was just a, in a, a massive, massive line. And I was like, there's so many people that have and I'm praying, not only praying, but hopefully, you know, taking action around creating some, you know, in my own way, some support. But but I think to bring it back to a personal level, there is so much to be grateful for. Right. And there is mm-hmm. so much in the context of, you know, this very interesting context where it's like we're forced to be at home, you know, whereas in previous generations, adversity yeah. may have looked like. I mean, you know, your family's from South Africa. I mean, apartheid, I can't even imagine. Or like, I think yeah. Victor you, French. It might have been forced to flee for yep. survival or live under horrific, oppressive um, situations, right? Yeah, exactly. I went back to visiting uh, Victor Frankl, Man's Search for Meaning, you know, and he had lived in a concentration camp, you know, mm. and I, it's like, those are the most, I think that's what I think about when I get really in my head. Like if I need to do my reset, if you will, yeah, is like mm-hmm. go back to thinking, like you mentioned, you know, like, like a Nelson Mandela, you know, or a Victor Frankl. Like, I mean, Mandela literally to be in a prison cell for 27 years, you yes. know, like. A, With the thought of never getting out. Exactly. Right. With the thought of that the higher ups want to keep you in there for the rest of your entire life. Mm-hmm. Like what, what do you hold on to? I mean, and I mean, that's a, a beautiful story. I come back to thinking about Mandela a lot. I think about Mumia also who's been on death row for over 30 years now. And, um, you know, still, I, I know a, a, some years ago on my Change It All album, I got to interview him through someone else who assisted. And it's like, he still had a sense of humor and high spirits and was humble and wasn't jaded and was still about other people being liberated, you know, and about telling the truth. Um, but it's like, we're getting like a little, a little teeny taste of just a suggestion of staying home. Yes. Our life, you know, and it it does put perspective on people that have been incarcerated or what have you. Um, I mean, just imagine this hasn't even been three months for us. Right. And some of those people have been incarcerated for decades and think of how quickly life moves and you know some people don't get to bury their parents or witness their child being born or or things that are just so um epic in our lives mm-hmm. you know that's what i was thinking about actually was you know when i think about forgiveness 
And, 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 and actually one of the things as it relates to Mandela is, you know, not being able to bury, you know, his, his son, you know, like to be able to, to know, and, and in that context of Corona, you know, having personally yeah. been able to bear witness and hold my dad's hand, you know, and be with him for, yeah. for a week. And, you know, I had quarantine hardcore. And when I got the mm-hmm. call, I, I flew in and I, you know, I sat with him and I was able to, yeah. to be with him as he made his transition. But my, and, and which was so obviously deeply, um, challenging and painful, but also deeply beautiful, you know, and I thought about yeah, the, people, healing. the people, exactly. The, it was healing. And the people who, who are watching now their loved ones, um, not even, not being able to literally like get into the same room or like have to watch them yeah. through glass. And I think that isolation, I think that's, what's, that's, what's, um, kind of the most interesting element I feel like of what we're being, where we are is this forced isolation. And yet ironically, it's showing us the depth of our interdependence and our interconnection, right? Like when one person's actions and I'm that's, you know, on one part of the world can literally close down a business in another part of the world. Like we live under this fallacy of individual Liberty, but what we're being shown is we're totally and entirely interdependent. Totally. Totally. (laughs) I know. And then there's like, you know, being able to connect with people over social media or like some of these live shows or like the podcast you're doing that just immediately draws us in. And it's like, we're all at the same place. Yes. And the numbers are even bigger because you can be almost anywhere in the world and still connect at that moment, you know, which is crazy (laughs) i mean when i was a kid thinking about 2020 and all the bizarre stuff it's like it's here right it's true right oh you mean you and i grew up right right around the same time and i you know i first became aware of you and i think we first connected if i'm not mistaken when i was living in in oakland and we met actually i think for the first time backstage at yoshi's um, I mean, mm-hmm. must have been like ten or twelve years ago. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a while back, and yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, what's wild? I mean, obviously at that time there was the internet and all that, but you know, pre Instagram, pre all that, and and it's funny to think like, for me, you know, and I think similar to you, I imagine we're I think we're close in age. I feel like half my life I grew up without the internet. You know what I mean? Like totally. I I got to live as a kid without without all the pressures of like social media and like all the constructs of like, this is what someone's life is in totally. their highlight like, reel of, of, of constructive reality. <laughs> if you miss something, you wouldn't even know you missed it exactly. until maybe your friends telling you the next day, right? you know, but it's, it's kind of an interesting thing. It's like, it's been a great tool for me as an independent artist, right? Cause it's mm-hmm. like a, a way to connect with people regardless of anyone's marketing dollars. And I can share music and all of this kind of stuff, stay connected to fans and friends. But then the other part of it, you know, and now, you know, as a mom and having a, a daughter that's introduced to social media, there's, I, I'm even more sensitive to like the other part of it, like what you're saying, the highlight reels, because we can make any day look amazing, Yes, you know, with good lighting and a good quote. Yep. And I mean, and, and not really know how each other is doing, but yeah. then it's like when you're witnessing it, you know, scrolling through 
even sometimes I'll be scrolling through people's pages that I know personally and I'm like, oh, I was worried about them, but apparently they're doing fine because <laughs> I'm looking and sometimes I forget like, you know what, I need to call them yeah. and check in with them because you never know. And But also I think it makes, it kind of gives an unrealistic um, sense of standards and also can like bring up insecurities of like constantly comparing you know, totally. sometimes I'm just like, I don't even take a time out of this because I this isn't making me feel good right yeah. now, you know? That's real talk. I feel like that's the case, right? I think I actually think it's super healthy to have like, kind of like you would fast from food, food you know, like, and, and like, the, you know, yeah. food, you know, at least for me, at least one of the things I've noticed, yeah. I don't have many vices left, but like comfort food, like, you know, yeah. give me some like some chocolate chip cookies, like I'll, I'll, I'll go to town, you know, and yeah. sometimes I'm like, all right, I need to, I need to fast from this. Take a, a sugar break. <laughs> exactly. A sugar. No, totally. Every now and then when I'm like, oh, this isn't hitting me right. I'm like, I need to either take a break for at least some hours or just like today, I'm just going to not document anything on social media and I don't need to be looking at other people's stuff. I just need to be present because and not distracted by sucked into like, Oh, I just lost two hours. You know, that's a real thing, right? If you think about, I, I just, I can't remember the exact statistics, but I was just reading in research for my book about the amount of time the average person spends on email and social media. And if you add it up, it's years of your life. I am not kidding you. Like if you think about email combined with social media and you take it over the course of like the average lifespan of whatever, 78 years, it's like no joke. I can't remember the exact figure, but it was like several years. And I was like, that's crazy. Right. And so then it's like, all right. And, And especially I think that's sort of bring it back to our time. I think one of the interesting aspects of using this time in a positive light, right? Like whether it be connecting with family for me or, you know, whatever, taking that time to reach out, you know, like we had like a one hour yeah. phone conversation the other day, like, totally. doing that, like time to actually reach out in like an old school way where you're like, yeah. where you're deepening your relationships. I started writing, yeah. um, there's a beautiful uh, Cheyenne elder that I've become friends with and I wrote him a letter. And I sent him like a care package and I went to the post office yesterday and I was like, this is old totally. school, but I love it, you know? But it feels so good to receive me and my daughter have done that for a couple friends just because yeah. it's like, it, it feels personal and it feels special and it's like something to look forward to. Yes. Right. And I, I was just thinking about that last night, like who are some other people that I might want to give care packages to? And they're like doing some pen pal stuff, like... I love it. It's special. I mean, and that's actually what I think about. It's like, where is this, you know, you're a musician, right? You, you obviously create deep resonance. And for me, I think about almost the metaphor of music, right? To me. Mm. And that's what I talk about is this notion of like musical relationships, right? Like there's so Mm -hmm. much noise in our world, social media being one of the key examples of that noise, but even like, yeah, email, like all these things oftentimes are so noisy with like spam and like bills and junk, which when you create that signal in the noise, which to me is like that care package or that thank you mm-hmm. note, something where it's mm-hmm. like something someone wasn't expecting. And then all of a sudden it's like, it's like music to them, you know, it's like music to their yeah. ears. You know, you pick up that yeah. care package, you're like, oh man, someone like 
This is like a little embodiment of love. Exactly. And that's yeah. like that's like that's like a hit song, you know. It's like, oh, okay, I like that. That sounds good. That feels good. Yeah, I actually want to right now. I'm thinking about. Um, I mean, I have been for a long time, but I'm starting to bring it to life on just you know with how I want to do music in a more multi-dimensional way. Yes, and have. Um, you know, an immersive experience and even, you know, how can I take that even to like a stay home type of thing where it's like you're receiving something physical that resonates with the music and how can we, um, what are the creative special gifts in this? That's kind of what I'm working on now, like, like the music and then how to bring that other dimensional element to it. I love that. Have you codified that at all in terms of any particular things that you can talk about? Like, are there ways you're thinking about, because you're, you've been doing it, first of all, for those who are, may not know that are listening. I mean, Guapale, not only have you created absolutely epic music that resonates and speaks to the soul, but you've done it on your own, you. on your own terms, you know? And I think, on my own terms, yeah. I feel like that's something that is not often, um, talked about obviously many many musical artists have a whole machine behind them in terms of like you know uh you know, a whole promotional you know machine that's basically pushing them up and constructing their image and reality and, and you've done there's all so of this on your many own many elements that yeah. go into every time that i see something that i'm like wow this person is everywhere i'm like the timing on that is magical and it took such a team to make that unfold in that way you know and um then there's also when there's just amazing synergy and I feel really lucky that like you said I've been able to do it on my own terms I've put out five albums um starting in what like a one or something like that yeah. with closer and started with my independent family label Skyblaze and just partnered up with different companies for um, distribution and and you know even at one point did something with Sony and BMG and different people but I have been able to have a voice and a choice on like what songs and get to write whatever I want even if um, sometimes it's hard to categorize and I think that's been a bit of a challenge marketing wise mm. but I feel really lucky that I've been able to do music that really does feel like it's coming from my heart and soul and um speaking to other people in that kind of honest way yes yeah the authenticity and I think just the the well, I mean, your music also is oftentimes, at least to me, I don't want to obviously uh, put words in anyone's mouth, but for me, the fact that you also have had an activist orientation, I feel like in using music, and we talked about this a bit, um, I don't know to what yeah. you want to talk about it, but you're like the South African roots and the, and the, you, when we were on our phone call, you know, talking about the role yeah. music played, for example, in the apart, uh, you know, the anti-apartheid movement. And, and yeah. to me, at least, I feel like, like when 
so, you know, we, not, we haven't talked about this, but like your, you know, some of your tracks just like, I feel like, um, to me evoke at least that spirit and that spirit, like from, for those mm. who haven't, uh, been to South Africa, Guapala and I were speaking on our phone call the other day. So Global Citizen did a concert, uh, two years ago on Madiba's, uh, 100th birthday. And it was, it was amazing. But to be in that J&B stadium and to see, having done concerts and participated in concerts around the world, but also I've been in South Africa for the World Cup and then yeah. with my dad and then with Global Citizen in honor of Madiba on this, that 100th birthday. And to be in the spirit of the way that like, you know, the, 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 the music moves, yeah. it's something, we it's something else. About- yeah, how people will just break into song. And yes. it's amazing because South Africa is one of the countries in in Africa where I feel like, you know, it's very westernized yep. in a lot of ways, right? And that's been, um, I mean, that's been such a, a struggle and a challenge, you know, for my dad's generation, you know, in schools, like illegal to speak um, in other languages that weren't um, English or Afrikaans, right? And it's like my, you know, my dad grew up speaking um, Sitswana and Sutu and and there's, I, I feel like most people, him and most people could speak, you know, five languages and to have that um trying to be stripped from you Mm. is something, but what never left is the music and it's in the music. And, you know, I think about his, you know, my father also passed away and I think about his funeral and there was, there was some things that, you know, we knew there was going to be this and that speaker and whatever, but then there's just moments where someone will break into song and everyone breaks into harmony and everyone knows it. And there is something magical. It just takes you. You don't have to understand. I mean, I only, even though I grew up around a lot of different languages, I unfortunately don't really speak anything but English. I'm still working on that. <laughs> but but through music, I can feel it, yes. you know, and even growing up in the Bay Area, because um, my father left South Africa years before I was born and he met my mom um, and a lot of and he lived in exile then and a, a lot of South Africans that chose to leave the apartheid system, you know, some of them could leave legally through education. If they could get a Fulbright scholarship or, you know, get out to go to college, they could, they could leave. Um, some entertainers and artists could leave legally if they didn't talk about the government, right? So then people like Kima Sakela was then living in exile because he did some I don't even want to call it activist or protest music. He was just talking about the truth. Yes. And that was illegal, you know. Um, but there were so many people that did get to leave or were living in exile. And then we would just kind of come together as a community and become family. And so I was saying, you know, there would be house parties or whatever at our house. And people would be talking, kicking it, talking about politics or just kicking it you know what I mean and listening <laughs> to music and drinking and 
smoking and whatnot. But then someone might break into song and it would just, everybody would be right in there. And that, um, I just have strong, beautiful memories of that. And I love that that hasn't left. You know, these generations later, you experienced it when you've gone to South Africa. I know I was talking to Dave Chappelle that also returned to South Africa around that time of Global Citizens and Festival and did some shows. And he was talking about that experience of just, you know, like being at a late night spot and performing here and there. But then as a thank you, you know, people will break into song. Um, they straight up and did. And it's like direct connection with the roots. It was that moment. So two moments in particular. One was uh, in 2010 where the first time yeah. the World Cup was hosted on African yeah. soil in South Africa and to be in Cape Town and they started, they broke into like, show, show, I can't sing well, yes. but you know, like, yeah. and it yes. was just like the whole stadium. It was just like, it, like, I mean, absolute I chills. Too. I mean, chills. Yeah. It's just like, to think about like the way that music, like literally people would stand up to, to guns, to machine guns, oppressive regimes. And then fast forward, you know, a year and a half ago. And it, well, I was at that show. Dave was, Chappelle was performing intimate show and he performed pride. till like, I mean, he kept going. He was feel like the energy yeah. of the crowd. It was, like and he one was, of like, those nights, three, yeah, it was four or five in the morning. I mean, it was like, it was, it was like I'm sun so was coming up. Yeah. And, and he finally was like, right. And, you know, and he, and he authentically, you know, I, I don't want to be, but just the way that he was speaking to the crowd, you could tell that there was something deeply meaningful to him about performing on the continent and in particular sure. with, with those with that crew right and yeah. the way that the audience then the south african audience showed their respects in terms of like just like organic i mean it wasn't like applause like you would for a standing ovation it was yeah. like full-on tribal dance yeah. and song and yeah. then him just hanging his head like hand like fist over his heart just like yeah. that moment of like the the acknowledgments was yeah. something I will I will never forget. It yeah. was it was it was so it was it's something else. It's like that level to what you were saying. Unfortunately, whether you're talking about indigenous peoples here in the United States and genocide here, uh, you're talking about uh, what happened all over the African continent. That oppression um, that is beyond words in terms of how horrific, but yet the resiliency of the spirits as manifest in the song, like, like mm -hmm. un unbreakable, you know? Yeah. And you'll like see there's just some things that can't be taken away. No. Yeah. Like it will not. It, and, and that to me is most exemplified in song, in music. Mm -hmm. And you mm -hmm. see that like Capoeira, I used to perform Capoeira back in the day. And I just remember yeah. being so moved by, you know, here's this West African dance. And they, you know, Brazil, which I didn't know at the time, but Brazil had 10 times as many slaves as the United States, right? Like it, it was like, I had no notion of how mm. horrific this How many was. people were brought were there. Stolen, yeah. Yeah. And, and, but yet what was wild was they used capoeira, which is for those who don't know that are listening, it's this beautiful West African based Brazilian martial art dance where the music was an encoded language, right? It was song, but in the song, 
were 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 basically messages around escape and the dance was a coding for the fighting form and actually mm-hmm. entire free communities were set up in brazil where people would liberate themselves using capoeira and then they would form free colonies basically deep in the wilderness in brazil and and i just thought about like how across these traditions or in ceremony in indigenous communities you know like sitting with the Diné and tp with native american church like the degree to which that song still carries the spirit and the essence of the yeah. truth. It's it's yeah. the most powerful medicine I think you can imagine. No, it's amazing because um, you know even you know in in Brazil I know in Bahia there's mm-hmm. a rich culture of um, capoeira and orisha dance and that's like part of my daughter's namesake, but. It's it's amazing. Sometimes we've had to hide the messages, but there's always a, a way to be creative and communicate it. It's like with drumming, mm. you know, and people that were um, enslaved and brought to to this country, but drums, you know, people speaking through drums and certain patterns and certain songs meaning something that just comes off as entertainment, you know, but we're spreading messages back and forth. It's, there's probably some form of that in every oppressed mm-hmm. culture. Yeah. Coded, coded language, you know, it like evolves in, mm-hmm. I just, I just saw with the, you know, the native peoples in South America, which I won't even go into that horrific story, but what's wild is they're opening up the Vatican now and the, the native people were f- kind of forced to tell the story. And of course it was a story that was, as is often, you know, the case with oppressors, there's a sto- a narrative that's woven that is not the authentic narrative, but it is the narrative of the oppressor. What, what's yeah. fascinating is with these indigenous communities painted these elaborate books, but in the, even in the way they use the color, there was there was an entire sub narrative of what actually happened, and that and mm. it's enshrined in these books, and they're just now being released from the Vatican. They've been kind of locked up, wow. and it's telling the true story of like the indigenous people that they coded, even in the book of the oppressors. You know, it's like yeah, it, 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 I feel like the truth always kinds of kind of finds a way, if you will. And, and, and there's such a genius, I think, to many of these indigenous uh, ways of, uh, of being. And, but it's, it's, it's often the naivete of the oppressor that actually doesn't even see it, but yet there's such wisdom and language. Yeah, because it's like there has to be a way to survive. Yes. Survival, I think, is the utmost importance, mm. right? Like we all want to have our lives we don't want our lives taken away and then once we're living like how can we how can we make the best of the lives that we have and hopefully get to a point of thriving but if you have to do it under the radar so you can survive you know and um it's interesting because I was I was talking to someone um in South Africa that um, a part of the ANC, but he was part of the youth movement that was more militant, you know, in changing um, the government. And he was even saying during people's funerals, you know, they would sing certain songs that would communicate 
what had happened or what needs to happen next. And it looks like it's just mourning, but it's mourning and figuring out what is the next plan, you know, of self-preservation and, you know, there ended up being self-determination, um, as a nation. I mean, it took a long time though. Um, and you still see there's like this huge economic disparity that's still there. Unfortunately, like I got to visit for the first time in 94 Mm. with my dad. And, um, I mean, there's so many beautiful things about South Africa, but there is a huge economic disparity. And to be honest with you, a lot of it still exists. Yeah. Like the townships, look about the same as they did to me when I first visited Soweto and different places. Yeah. Um, and it's a remarkable in the 90s. Like Kylie Yeah. Said. Because it's like the most, I've also been to the most amazing hotel that I've ever been in. You know what I mean? When I was in South Africa and people go there and have amazing vacations, but it's, it's what neighborhoods you get to Go to. I mean, similar to the U.S. Yeah. I mean, I've been in circles, you know, where it just feels like a dream. It's so beautiful and all the luxuries that we get to have. And there's also so many people living below the poverty line that are some people still struggling for clean water. You know what I mean? There's there. It's it's every level yeah lack of clean water kills more people than all wars combined and it's still 663 million people without access to clean water that's actually why i decided to Isn't do that crazy to do the well in my dad's honor now the good news is not that many years ago it was over a billion people so there are more people getting access but i remember actually yeah. it wasn't in south africa i was up in uh, in kenya with uh, Wangari Mathai, who was the first African woman to win the Nobel Peace Prize, her organization, mm-hmm. the Greenbelt Movement. And what was amazing is I traveled through, and it was in 2008, so uh, it was when Obama yeah. was inaugurated. And what was wild yeah. was he's, his, his grandmother was Luau uh, of that tribe, and I actually yeah. traveled to the village of his grandmother for his inauguration. And you would, yeah, you would have thought that like basically their tribal chief had become chief of the world. Like it was like that is one of the done. coolest, one of the coolest yeah. celebrations. Which oftentimes, having lived and traveled abroad during other administrations, I uh, will just say that yeah. wasn't I wasn't always feeling the best uh, conversations nor anything I was particularly proud of about. No, being that was American. a magical time. <laughs> that was amazing um yeah but but in that journey on the way to his grandmother's village i wound up traveling into villages where so the whole model with greenbelt is they empowered women through the reforestation of the country because during colonization you know as is the case with the cultures but also the land was um i hesitate to use the word but i don't know a better word uh pillaged uh you Mm -hmm. know and and the, you know, people were left with deserts, you know, like the land, mm-hmm. you know, like just as kind of like, I think disease has spread through the people. It's also spread through the land and the land was made into deserts. And I have this horrific image of this 
young girl who was literally in this parched earth, like, you know, almost desert level earth and a hole mm. dug three feet in the ground. And she was with one of those 40 gallon jerry cans, the yellow jerry cans. And mm-hmm. she was trying to get water that was not even an inch deep, that was brown, dirty from the groundwater. And there was, I kid you not, a line of people behind her. And it was one of the most devastating images that I had ever seen. And yet four mile, not even like a few miles away, there was a community that for 10 years had been working with the Greenbelt Movement and they had been slowly planting trees. And as they planted trees, those trees grew and the soils were remediated. And like this family literally had, were, had this bountiful food forest. Like they had yeah. bees, they had goats, they had a well. All the girls went to school, were healthy. Like they had this like incredibly biodynamic, like permaculture farm. And the juxtaposition yeah. between those two realities, I was like, this is unreal. And that was because of this amazing woman taking leadership, empowering other women across the country. And they had planted, mm. planted now millions and millions of trees. And mm. the result was more than just the trees. It was the yeah. empowerment of a future, a whole future generation away from, the, totally. you know, what I had witnessed in, in, in other communities. So um, anyway, excuse me, I got a little passionate for a minute, but yes, I was. I, no, yeah, no, I that's that. awesome. I think it's all about um, empowerment. And um, I think, yes, every like giving, everyone has, should have access to good food, clean water, mm-hmm. you know, comfortable shelter. Yep. And it's beautiful when that, you know, for people that that's been stripped away from, it's beautiful when that um, resources are given back and they can um, provide for themselves and their community in an empowering way. I think I, I think about that with this whole social distancing too, because, mm. It's kind of a luxury to be able to socially distance. Yeah, it is real talk. And it's not a luxury for everyone. No, You know, some people can't afford to have one, a single family in a house or single person or couple in a house and not be crowded by other people um, that they're supporting. And just like, can you afford to not work mm-hmm. for a month or two or three or for however long this goes? You know, are you a month worth of bills ahead? Are you, do you have enough money to stockpile groceries, you know, and have extra so you're not going out there, you know, for little bits at a time constantly, but exposing yourself and other people. It's just kind of, it's interesting. Like if we all have the basic stuff, then it's, it's a little easier to think about. But, um, I definitely have been thinking about that lately. Yeah. You know, you and me both. I mean, to your point, yeah. I think, you know, I've been in Kibera or Kalis, like in, the, in these basically townships or slums in India as well. I live in Sri Lanka, you know, those, there's no social distance, you know, like down in Rio, you know, I've thought about, you know, when I had a, the, the privilege of going down there, you know, in the favelas, like there's places where there's no social distance at all physically, you know, like that's yeah. just not a possibility. And then here, bring it back to the States where we're recording, 
you know, like what you were saying, you know, I think something like 50, they said 50% of Americans don't even have a thousand dollars in savings, you know, and now you're talking about 30% so just living check to check, right? Yup. Check to check, just, mm-hmm. just working to get by, you know, and most of those, I mean, it's interesting also essential workers, like finally getting some love, many of which are immigrants, you know, who like, yeah. you wanted to, anyway, we'll get, oh, we'll get hardcore here yeah. in a minute, but, but yeah, like there's a whole notion of a wall where it's like that, you know, that a lot of those folks that are the most vulnerable are also the ones that are propping everyone up with their ability to actually have the food that we, you know, take for granted. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and I just think, but that, but that's going to be a real thing, right? Like once we move through this period of, let's call it the acute, uh, you know, disease, uh, and th- what are we going to do with the social consequence of, you know, the distancing? And also, okay, this, I hesitate to use this example, but I've been even thinking about the mindset of like, as if you start to see the other as dangerous, which is interesting. Like, I don't know if you've walked around much, but even just walking around people like, you know, it's like they associate you with like risk. Right. And I was thinking about this artificial construct in the form of racism, which was another artificial construct that was perpetuated where you saw another as dangerous based on totally unnatural, you know, worldview. It's like, this is not, you know, been generationally passed down, but at the same time, we're in a, in a state where people are now associating, you know, for a few months, who knows how long it goes on, uh, other with being dangerous, like in existentially Mm -hmm. dangerous. So like, how does that affect so many of the ways that we stay human, you know, like handshakes, hugs, just connecting and like, I know, I know. Yeah. No, when I've gone by, when I've gone by people yeah. and they wave or something, I'm like, oh, like it feels kind of like, okay, they're <laughs> wet. It, it it feels really warm. Yeah, and it is totally different than just staring at someone or just completely avoiding eye contact and just trying to. It's it's such a different um, energy. It is. It's such a different energy. And um, it's it's interesting. I'm actually writing, just recorded a song about it that I'm a collaboration that I'm doing with some folks in the Bay Area from Spirit House, which was this awesome place that all these musicians were coming together and doing jam sessions late at night. Um, but Picasso doing like an art piece and I was working with Shanaka and, and Mike Auburn, but writing a song about David and mm. what it feels like right now. And, you know, will we be better for it and what we're going to change? And there's the, the aspect, um, the economic piece, which is a challenging, but also it's think even in the midst of like all the gentrification and stuff that's happening in major cities, that's a whole nother layer to it. So that's mixed in there. And then along with like this calm and quiet that is a blessing too. And how the earth is thriving right now. You know what I mean? Yes. Regenerating. It's like, it's 
clean. I mean, I live in LA now and it's like the sky is clear. Yep. The leaves are green. You can see hills from far away. You can, you know, maybe soon we'll see the stars in the city. There's like this other aspect of um, balance that's kind of amazing, you know, and how how to take this time and like see also the beauty in it. Anyways, I, I think about that a lot. We were kind of talking no, no, about actually, that and, and we wrote a song about it. One, I'll I can't wait to hear things. that song. We yeah. should link we should link that up. Yeah. yeah. And and we are, by the way, just to tease that out, we are gonna do uh well, we're gonna a little collaboration. We're gonna do a little uh musical piece. Not not this episode, yeah. but yeah. uh in the near future. So I, maybe we can incorporate that and we'll see where, where it is at that point. Yeah. But to your point about the positivity, the blessings in this time, you know, I think there's always in any obstacle there's opportunity. Mm-hmm. What have been the real blessings for you? Um during this period, like I think, you, I think the way you spoke about the Earth, I think is beautiful. I do think there was a, there's obviously unequivocally a, a need for reset, but but within we're the probably of getting your years life, back, right? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I actually so existentially, I, I just asked a question. I'm going to di- digress for a moment, but I think existentially we were amidst right a mass extinction on a planetary mm-hmm. basis, right? And I, I actually think that the Earth has a divine consciousness. I believe that there's this guy in intelligence and I think the earth is giving us a chance. This is my personal view, Mm -hmm. but I think the earth is giving us a chance to wake up to itself and to realign commensurate with the natural cycles. Much of the wisdom I think that was carried by many of the indigenous that we've Mm -hmm. referenced earlier and to move more in accordance with that, to find that center within so that we don't wreck ourselves. Uh, The guy will go on, but I, whether humanity makes it, I think right now is in question. And I feel like this is a wake up call. That's my own personal view, but I just think, you know, and I think unfortunately if we don't heed that wake up call, I think the context of the next wave of challenge will be even more severe because I think things, if the further you get from center, you know, it's like, it's like being on a boat. It's like, once you start getting in like that wavy water, the possibility you got to work with it. You got to exactly, exactly. work with exactly. it. Don't fight it. <laughs> exactly. So I, you know, I do think it's like a wake up call. Now the question is, do we come out of it with different ways of being, or do we yeah. just try to go back to normal quote unquote air quotes, which I don't think was working too well for us. So, no. but, but what, what, what insights have you garnered during this time of, of reflection? Uh, I'd love to, I'd love to hear some of them. Yeah. I think I read this, um, article early on that was someone who was in Wuhan and had, you know, had been through the first cycle of this whole Conera pandemic. But um, I think one of the things they were saying is like, just stop watching the news sometimes, tune out sometimes and be, don't, don't ask yourself how long it's going to last. It's not going to last forever. And things aren't going to be this slowed down forever. And there's like, they were just saying one of the gifts um, that they had was like having some quiet time, spending some time with their family and just 
looking at it, I, I can't remember their words, but I kind of translated it to, you know, like a lot of times things only stop on certain national holidays or whatever. Right. And we have some holiday time with our family, but it's like, we're busy, like cooking or producing, like what's the event and the presence and all this kind of stuff. And then there might be like a couple extra days where you're like, it's just quality time, just playing cards, just doing whatever. And this is, I I've looked at it. Like, how can I look at some of this as a holiday or vacation. And I, and I don't want to be insensitive to anyone that is um, struggling health wise during this time, but how like, it's okay to have some joy mixed in. Right. I think it's natural that we're going to feel stressed, but it's not healthy and it's not going to help anyone to feel stressed all the time. Like, you know, we're, my good daughter learned how to play cards and dominoes and um which I feel like is a good life skill you know what yes, I mean we're is. doing like cooking <laughs> projects that we didn't have time to do before and bake a cake for no reason because there was chocolate cake available when I went to Trader Joe's you know what I mean yep. um and things that I'm usually like, okay, I don't really have time right now, but we'll get to that another time. We do have time now, you know, we're going to do some tie dyeing because she's still, you know, um, doing homeschooling and won't return till the fall. Hopefully she'll be able to get, but it's like, all of those little things I had to kind of make a list of like, what are my personal goals? Um, and what are some family goals? Like if, if, if this time could be, if I could come out on the other end of this, what will I feel so good that had happened? You know, Mm. like, that we don't freak out on each other. I'll get some quality time with my family and we can actually enjoy some of it. Um, Go through the piles in my house of, you know, like some papers that I didn't want to deal with that take up, you know, mental energy by not dealing with it. Went through that. I needed to organize the shelf and I felt like my house felt happier for it. I was like, okay, I've been wanting to work on my, this would be sixth album for a long time. But as a working musician, a lot of what I do is going to do performances, which we can't do right now. So instead of just being frustrated about it, it's like, there were so many songs that I had started writing that I was like, the gift I could give myself is like, sit my butt down. We have pro tools. You see, you know, the mic, like I see the mic. Yep. Yes. I can record myself. I mean, I have some yeah. assistance, but I don't need to be in the whole room, you know, with my band and whatever engineer I'm working with. Like there's certain stuff we were sending tracks back and forth to each other and like that's like a a gift to myself of like I love feeling like I'm accomplishing something and I feel like this time is not for nothing 
So it's been empowering to get like, okay, I have one more piece of evidence of like something that I can share from this. Because of course, there are some days that are just pajamas all day, you know, (laughs) but I'm like, I can't, I can't do that. I can't do that every day, you know? No. Or at least I need to take a shower and then put on like nicer pajamas (laughs) in the daytime before I put on the other pajamas, you know, but like, that's felt good to me. And I also feel like with in any time I'm trying to move forward, I'm trying to solidify my vision to even like, how do I even want it to manifest? And it's hard for me to move forward when I can't, when I don't have a vision. Mm. So um, I've been building that more now, you know, what is it now? Cause it kind of evolves each time I get to accomplish something. Then it's like, okay, what's the next vision? And I've been lucky enough to get to, you know, work with Rochelle, a life coach too, during this time to just like, how to take advantage and make space in that way. Um, so I feel like those are the the takeaways um, that I've been getting. I love that. What, what, as you, you talked about vision and, yeah. and you yeah. know, obviously dream seeker, you know, you closer to my dreams is one of my favorite tracks. I mean, Thank that was you. my, Back back in my Oakland walking around Lake yes. Merritt days, that yes. definitely played in the rotation. Common came out quite a lot, but that that song would come on quite a lot. Thank but I think you. for those who are listening that are that are that are seeking and in pursuit of their own dreams, and I think that's mm-hmm. one of the opportunities of this time, right? Just as you said, mm-hmm. like you know, there's the gravity of the pajamas, which is real, you know, and like, hey, sometimes we got to succumb to that, you know, it's okay, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. But then there's also the like, you know, Stephen Pressfield, who I had on the show. I don't know if you've ever have you ever read the book, The War of Art? No. Oh, you. Uh, okay, that if you take one thing away, re- okay. read that book. This okay. guy is on the next level. So he talks about. In the creative process, which, I mean, you're, you're multifaceted in terms of your talent, but obviously singing being an aspect. And as you said, you know, you can't perform in the way that you, you traditionally would. But he basically talks about resistance and the way that it, sh- that it manifests, right? So yes. in any creative endeavor, there's always a oh, commensurate and opposite to that. Pull. You had him on your podcast, right? Yeah, yeah. You should listen. The yes. guy is, he is next level. He, he actually real. doesn't do, he doesn't. He is, it's honestly probably top five books I've ever read. And it's just about the tension, right? That all of us, I mean, he posits kind of like uh, this notion, and Elizabeth Gilbert, almost like the creativity is almost like a muse, almost like divine or mm-hmm, sacred. Mm-hmm. And we are the vessel. Mm-hmm. And when we align ourselves and put ourselves, he calls it turning pro. When yeah. you commit as a pro to yeah. show up and just, you know, like maybe you're a writer. It's just like, literally I show up at 9am, not when I'm inspired or not inspired. Like I show up at 9am and then inspiration will either move through me or not, but I'm now moving from that chair. For yeah. Two hours, yeah. Know? That's the, the discipline part that like allows for the magic to happen. Exactly. When it does, right. Instead of waiting for the magic. Exactly. So, so I've <laughs> yeah. been, I've been working on that, like creating the context for the muse to move through me yeah but what what i guess the essence of where i'm trying to go is have there been any practices or any insights that have helped you in the gestation of vision or the clarification or the evolution of your vision 
I mean, let me just say in terms of, I, I haven't read that book, but I did listen. Yeah. I, I heard the podcast and I was thinking in the um, resistance to creativity or, or yes. whatever it was, very familiar with that feeling because self-doubt, um, I know about self-doubt. And I think when honestly the mix of inspiration and self-doubt and excitement and fear is like what the song closer that people call closer in my dream. Cause that's the refrain. That's exactly what um, came out of expressing that feeling. You know, when I was doing my first album and felt like, Oh, I know I'm on my way somewhere. And I, and I, I, I felt the inspiration and excitement of that. And it's like, Ooh, but I'm not where I want to be yet. And I don't know if I'll get there and fear of failure and success. And honestly, that visits me in different ways through any album, through any album I've done since. And I, and I'm trying to work on that. Like, how can I have the creative process without the other piece that comes in that I'm fighting, you know, of how can I write something and not worry about if it's good enough or um, how can I complete a project without getting these other feelings that um, come in the way and challenge that? Because it's just fear, I would say, Fear and optimism is like a constant balance for me. And You're it, not alone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I and I think the the best thing that I've been able to do is just build my awareness of mm. what is fear because fear comes in all kinds of forms, and sometimes it looks like confusion. And sometimes it looks like distraction and sometimes it looks like some form of self-sabotage or doubt or um, muting the passion or the drive. There's just, there's so many things. It doesn't always come up as like, I know I'm acting this way or thinking these thoughts because I'm scared. You know, sometimes it's just like, maybe this isn't right anymore. Maybe I don't want to do this or what was... So, um, I think for me, it's just been like building my awareness and being more conscious of like, okay, that was just a hard day. I don't need to doubt everything just cause I like, I can keep moving. Um, and I think being able to write down a vision and like my visions are always evolving because I have a hard time making things concise. Um, but being able to revisit it sometimes is helpful. And sometimes I feel like I'm going nowhere. And then I look back at something I wrote and I'm like, okay, I could check some of these things off. You know, I didn't feel like I moved since then but like there has been some growth and then there's some things that are reoccurring you know issues that I have to keep building on um but 
I don't know. I think just kind of building the intention part and working through it, yeah. showing up, like you said, right? The discipline. Because I know That's I've gone up. to the studio sometimes, you know, pre-COVID, where I would just be really tired, but I had a session book that I was like, okay, I'm going to be creative, you know, these this day or like this is the opportunity to work with someone and if the energy might not be there in the beginning but then all it takes is like whatever that moment is you know where your creative energy like out of thin air something resonates and then it can spark something that maybe it turns into a page or a hook or a verse or something you know that's it i feel like it's showing up like showing up to the to, to the party so to speak you know yeah. like at least with steven you said, never know like, yeah, resistance will show up the closer you get also to your dream resistance totally. is, is fun you know it'll it'll morph and it'll show up in a different way right like i was like does it ever because he, you know, he didn't have success till he was in his fifties and he wrote like yeah. Legend of Bagger Vance and all these different things yeah. that hit later in life. But I was like, yeah, okay. Now you've getting like 12 books or whatever. Like he's like, yeah, no, it doesn't go anywhere. You know, it's like you're five albums in, you're working on your six, you know, someone who's like maybe listening that might be working on their debut EP, you know, they'd be like, well, but it's like, it always will show up. The question in is different how do you ways. Yeah. 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 Cause it's also as you reach certain levels and you're not satisfied with the what may maybe the original goal was it's kind of like what's the next thing and as you up your stakes it's upping the rate I know the first time I did my album I mean in some ways it was the scariest but I also had nothing to compare it to you know so then like trying to do Another one, it's kind of like I'm fighting caring about people's expectations. Yeah. Too. And who they thought I was, you know. Let me ask you that question, right? How do you how do you personally differentiate between say you sing a song and for you it's a beautiful song. Mm -hmm. But I think there's the inner knowing of what is deeply authentic to ourselves. And then we're also balancing that. It's almost like the analogy of the head and the heart. Then there's mm-hmm. also the like, you know, what can be resistance, but also whatever you want to call it of like, yeah, but will that be a hit song, quote unquote, or will someone like that? Like the more judgmental aspect, right? Like, yeah. how do you balance that, that sense of like, like, when do you know, for example, okay, I'm ready to ship that song, even if it's not perfect, right? Like, or whatever, whatever perfect is, yeah. there's no perfect, but how do you, how do you, how do you dance in that creative process such that you, you, you feel that you're that you're in alignment and it's something that's authentic to you, but also you're balancing out the like the actual reality of like, oh, is that a hit single, blah, blah, yeah. blah, you know, like those concerns. OK, for me, I've never been able to think of writing a hit single and write a hit single. It's just yep. not how my mind works. And I have known other amazingly successful artists who have, you know what I mean, who have that skill to like do catchy dope shit for me 
that doesn't turn me on. It just puts the pressure on and then it makes me like, I, I don't, I'm not fueled from competition in that way. I'm not someone that was like at the talent show. It just didn't fuel me. I always, um, you're a soul surfer, not a competition surfer. Oh, I like that. Soul surfer. I like that. Um, so for me, I would say my, and I've wanted to do music and the arts ever since I can remember, since I was a little kid performing in my living room, you know, but when I was thinking about being an artist as an adult, and this is when I was, you know, a teenager, like visioning, um, and luckily I had, you know, aunties and people around me that wanted to help me vision. Some people don't even get asked what's your vision until they're an older adult, you know? Um, but anyways, I was like, I want to have a positive impact on the world. I want to like, that's, that's my theme. Now, every song I write isn't going to be about a positive message, but my intention was to have a positive impact. And so, you know, there's different things that I'll think about, you know, because the vision kind of evolves or changes or whatever. But there's there's that background kind of intention. And then there's when I'm working on a song, I kind of, have to let it go or else it's like gonna be totally contrived I just go with what I feel because I always feel like I I mean I record so many songs that I never put out and that's okay you know it's like I think the the creative process is one thing and then like as it grows like I kind of see with certain songs like sometimes I'm writing it and I'm just like oh my god this feels almost like the song is writing me like it was already written it's very familiar um and sometimes it takes a lot of effort and and doesn't quite stick and sometimes I have to walk away and see like can I still hear the melody is it still sticking with me or is there just maybe I don't know I let that go and then there's what can I do to finish the song that like you know, the production, I feel like lyrics I'm very personal about, but the production I feel like is more sometimes when I think about how do I want it to hit and who do I want to hear it? You know, um, I like my stuff being beautiful, but not too soft. Cause I just yep. feel like then it's not like how, like I'm going to miss people if it's just too <laughs> soft. And what I listen to on my own is like a huge broad spectrum, but I, I need that balance. Um, but I think in the creative process, I have to constantly let the judgment go, mm. especially in the beginning. And as it's building and coming towards the end, that's when I start more, um, fine tuning and being like, okay, is this good enough? Is this production right? And mm-hmm. stuff like that. And then you still never know what yeah. is going to hit until there's some songs that I'm super proud of. And then I perform them in front of an audience. And I'm like, I don't know if that, 
Like, I don't know if anyone got, you know what I mean? Like people might yeah. just quietly be looking at me. And then there's some songs that were very like easy, you know, yep. to write that I might not feel like this is amazing. This is, I might feel like it's like whatever song, but it hits or it resonates with yeah. um, people. And I feel like that, that's the part of where it transforms from personal to like, yeah. I don't know what you're giving. And then the best gift is if it ends up standing the test of time, but there's no way of knowing. I, I'm not that type of person. Some A&Rs and some artists are where they're just like, this has those chords and those things that are just going to. But for me, it's like I just have to go with what I feel. And like if it if it. um checks off those larger boxes at the end it's just like that's wonderful but I I couldn't think of it to start the creative process that feels right to me I mean not that there's a right or wrong to any creative process but I I resonate with what you what you're sharing because I feel like the more you focus on it being a hit you know it's wild like I'm in my my agent sending me back the book proposal you know and it's like you know there's this you know, Tim Ferriss famously says, it's like, if you're going to write a book, write a fucking book. Basically. Yeah. And, and, and it's that's that I think the equivalent is like, is that what you're saying? Is that a song that stands the test of time? Like, I mean, you never you know, know. Asians asking you to write that. It's like, well, yeah, of course, that's my intention. But like, how do how does one know? And then the challenge with that is the paradox is the more you, I think, hold on to the weight of that. Right. Or are defined by that frame the less you actually indulge in the creativity, right? It's like, you're like, it's, yeah. it's, 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 it's paradoxical. It's like, okay, yeah. Well, yeah, I'd love this to be an epic song that stands to test time, epic book. But it's like, if you're, if that's the expectation, right? If you're entering in from that almost like judgmental or expectation orientation, then you're not actually standing in that place of the muse. That's just like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to write like 10 songs. Yeah. I'm going to whip them out today. And like, whatever, I'm in that, in that, in the, in the flow of like muse moving through me. Yeah. Um, and what and makes so, it personal for yeah. your perspective, each of us, how are we saying something that only we could say? I mean, just by being honest and it doesn't mean everything has to be autobiographical, but it's like coming from an honest place instead of just presenting what I think you would like. It's in, this is where it's really fascinating to me because I think that dance is something at least, and I don't know about you, but I feel like that's something I'm really cognizant of because for a long time I was uh, debilitated by my fear, which I've talked about on the podcast before, but like coming off global citizen, you know, where it's like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Like, you know, Jay-Z and Beyonce are on stage and like, that looks, that looks good. I mean, obviously Mm -hmm. it was about something much bigger. It was an altruistic orientation, but I'm just saying like, from my own no, like personal that, like, ego, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, that, yeah. That, that into like some dude, like sitting in his living room, like, you know, Skyping people on a podcast, my ego is like, well, that's not, you know, like, is that a step up? You know, like, but at the same time, what's interesting is when I got out of my own way, the degree to which this feels like a very not that global citizen wasn't an authentic aspect of my creative process, obviously together with a group of other humans, 
but to step into this conversation, right? And like yeah. to not enter it from the judgment of, oh, everything I do from now on has to be that big, right? Like it has to be on that scale or it's not worthy. Yeah. Just stepping back into like, actually, let me be in the creative process, which this month actually I've, I've committed, like I haven't even talked about this, every day I'm creating or publishing content. The whole month of May. Beautiful. And I, I didn't even like, I didn't even like, I, this is the first I mentioned of it. Yeah. And I haven't published all that, you know, but like last yeah. night I was in bed, it was 11 o'clock. I was yeah. like, I got to get up early. And I was like, oh, I haven't made my content today. Got up, put the robe on, sat in front. And I was like, yep. will that make it or will it not? I don't know, but it doesn't matter. You're doing it and Yeah, exactly. And I think there's a piece of just letting something be what it is. Like, yeah. That's a hard one of feeling like, is is this a level up or a level down? Like, let, Gotta let all that go. Let that go. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you already did that. So just be like thankful for the blessing and the impact, yep. which you already did. That's part of your story. It's never going to go away. And it's just like, what is this moment? Honestly, we'll never know if this moment is how special it could be or is you know what it could be in the future it's just like you do it and then either it's you know there's also those um who was I talking to I feel like it was a writer a, a songwriter or producer or something that was like charged so much money for their tracks and they were like even and someone was saying like, but this only took you, you know, like a day or whatever to do it. Like, why are you charging all this money? And they're like, it's not about that. It only took me a certain amount of hours to do it. Like my whole life, every moment before this has contributed to this moment. And you know, those magical moments. And I feel like I've had these moments where maybe I'm given an opportunity that I maybe don't have a lot of time to prepare for that. Maybe I almost feel like I should say no but it's like divine yes of course I want to do this and all those moments that might have felt like a even a waste of time sometimes or you weren't sure if it was going to amount to anything or what contributed to you being prepared for like the moments when you are really clear and sure that there's no other place you'd rather be. You know, there's a guy who I'm actually interviewing next week. I just sat, interestingly enough, South African, um, who I just sat as I took that road trip I told you about. And I listened to, he's doing 40 days. He's out in uh, deep in like Eastern near Kruger national park in a tree house, just sitting by himself for 40 days. And every day he was doing a recording and what he talked about was he's, he's what uh, he's in a tree house. Tell me he's how in he's a tree house. This. He's in a tree house recording. Uh, his name's Boyd Vardy. And what I like was he talks about exactly what you just said, but he uses the uh, notion of lion tracking. And he's not tracking lions to kill them. Just for anyone who's listening, he's more talking about the ancient art of tracking, which was a deep indigenous form of knowledge, which is being lost. Mm. So he talks about the analogy of tracking to life. And how you're never really off track. You're always in search of your next first track, right? Mm-hmm. So like he talks about track tracking not being like an exact science of knowing where you're going to go, but you find the track, right? That To that degree, what you're talking about, right? Like that sense of charm where you're like, oh, that felt good, right? Yeah. Like, oh, okay, that feels 
I'm, that's a line, right? Yeah. And then you go and you try to find your next track. And sometimes you actually go on a path that winds up being uh, off track. But that's not necessarily to say that you went in the wrong direction. Totally. You might be building another skill. Exactly. Right? And it and it gets you back to like knowing what is your true on-trackness, right? Like, And I feel like that to me is the dance. It's like, all right, what feels like my, uh, to what you were saying, like what's my, bring it back musical, what's what's on track for me? What's my song? You know, like what's yeah. my, that like that unique song that, uh, and maybe this is a whole lifelong journey, but like that is only mine to give, you know, metaphorically speaking, mm-hmm. or in your case, literally speaking. But, mm-hmm. but, uh, but I feel like, like time, I mean, closer to me, like for example, that's a timeless song you know like uh to me it's like i when, if i if i need to check back into okay am i on track with my dreams you know it's like okay that that's like the you know that's one lately also i've been listening to j balvin and, and black eyed peas like but you know different songs get you in different like okay yeah now i'm on track let's go you know yeah um uh, but but you got that you got that going so t- tell us a little bit also i know we're gonna we're gonna wrap up soon i absolutely love this conversation but tell tell us a little bit about dream seeker and what you're building um well part of it is i feel like one of the things that I represent is dreamers and people that are in pursuit of their dreams. And I feel like it's been one of the biggest gifts to me, a song that started as the introduction to Mike album. And I thought of honestly more as an interlude has been like a theme song for different people in their lives that have not just artists, but I've had people that were like, you know, I was um, studying my bar, you know, listening to your music or um, in labor, listening to that song or, you know, through med school when I felt like I was just getting too tired and doubtful. I listened to that or different athletes. And that has been the biggest, gift to me is just connecting with people that I do and don't know um, to be part of their transformation. That's like the most beautiful thing to me. So anyways, I feel like I always want to stay connected to that regardless of what my songs are about. So Dream Seeker Um, was the title of the last project I put out, but I also felt like I wanted to build it as a lifestyle brand and represent people that are in pursuit of their dreams, represent people that don't necessarily feel like they fit in a box and um, use so many different tools and um, in their life to stay inspired, but also like be, practical you know um so I you know there was like some different collaborations I've been doing I I collaborated on a um sustainable clothing line some sweats I'm I'm wearing yes now now. and that was fun I've done some quarterly gift boxes that were just like 
just wonderful things that I care package. love using that felt, yeah, my care packages and building towards build, um, the music within the care packages and building towards the uh, membership of this lifestyle brand. And um, it can be a personal way to stay connected. And for me, I love music, but I love um, all forms of creativity. So it kind of gives me a chance to put my hands on more tangible things that are that also, you know, resonate with the music. Yes. Yeah. Deep expression. You know, like I feel like you're mm-hmm. a deeply expressed human, and I and I like mm-hmm. the re- I res I have resonance with what you share. I mean, obviously we're friends, and but everyone listening should just should check out your Instagram as well. Like it was it was the Withers after Withers passed. Yeah. Uh, you did that, which I hopefully will incorporate in. So I'm building out a, a digital festival and campaign, which okay. probably okay. is going to be a part of. Yeah. I'd love for you to do that song at some point if you're open to it. But sure. either way, everyone should go check out her Instagram because both visually, I think in terms of some of the Dream Seeker stuff, plus also that acapella song, I, I that like brought me to tears. Like that was like, uh, I mean, it was obviously Thank deeply you. kind of per- during a period, personal period uh, in my life. But at the same time, I think just also seeing you and your daughter sing like that was, uh, was really beautiful. Yeah, we got, that was fun to get to sing lean on me together. And that's like a song that I always loved since I was a kid, you know, yeah. Bill Withers was such, um, an interesting example of, an artist and songwriter who was, I'm going to say more of a human than an entertainer. Yes. You know, like I I think, yeah, I think the entertainment part he could take or leave and, you know, in watching his documentary still, Bill, you, you see that, but the gift of music of timeless music he gave is outstanding. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. He brought, yeah, I think you're right. It's interesting. Like I was just, and not making it right or wrong. It was interesting. I was just listening to like little Richard and like the Mm. legacy and him actually like fighting for the legacy because so much of his style was appropriated by other artists. And he just never felt like he got the recognition, Yeah, which is, which is true. But I felt, I I feel like also like he had almost like that rebel spirit of like, I'm going to stand for this. Whereas like, I feel like Bill Withers is like, he's kind of like, I don't want to say quiet, but like he wasn't as much, it didn't occur to me as much. Like he was revolutionary in his own way, but I feel like, like you said, like it was, mo- it was less about the entertainment aspect and more about like the deep humanity. Yeah. I don't think he wanted to be in the spotlight. And I think, you know, there's some artists that are also entertainers, you know what I yeah. mean? But yeah. Every artist isn't an entertainer. There's kind of, it's it's interesting, which with each of us, I mean, even you think of like Amy Winehouse and Adele, whose voices are incredible, but the stage was just like pure anxiety. You know what I mean? And then there's people like Beyonce that's just like every time she performs live, <laughs> She she really thrives and it's and it's like there's you know and then there's people like um, Prince 
you know, who, who, um, also such an amazing performer, but also, um, private and an introvert on some levels, you know what I mean? And there's kind of like, there's not just one, one way to be. And it's not, you know, I think like, I, I don't know. There, there's kind of it's. There's different for you know. Some of it is fun. Some of it you do out of joy, and some of it is just like you have to get it out. But then there's room for, um, you know, people like Bill Withers that like are lending this incredible music, even if they, you know, didn't want to stay out there, um, in the spotlight forever. I mean, I, it just evoked for me, like I remember going and seeing, I don't know if you like ever listened to Ray LaMontagne, but I, I, I love him. I saw him he at the, is, um, in Oakland, I'm trying to think was yeah. it the Fox or the Paramount or something. And the gossip in the green uh, tour. I love his voice. His voice. But when I saw him, so I saw him back in like, probably was like 98, up in mm. Maine actually when I was in college. And he was so at that time, he probably got better. But at that time, he was so painfully stage shy. So like Mm -hmm. when he was in his song and his eyes were closed. Yeah. It was like you were in a different world. Yeah. But it almost was painful in the in-between songs because you could tell he was so affected by like like he wanted to be the artist but he was not about the entertainer at all in fact that felt like it just like massively got in the way because you you'd enter into this deep state of resonance in terms of his heart yeah and then but then like you feel awkward for him when between the songs you're like like, man i just want to protect you But then you compare that to like a Freddie Mercury, you know, like Live Aid, and you're just oh like, oh my God, that's just like, give me all the lights. Yeah. I mean, just yeah. like, you know, I don't know if you've watched just like dance videos with Ryan Heffington mm-hmm. that have been like all the rage during quarantine, but like just that Freddie Mercury esque performer just yes. like loves the spotlight, yes. like almost drinks it like it's water, you know, yeah. and you're just like, yeah. I like that you drew that distinction because I hadn't really thought about it, but it's true, right? The two are not synonymous. Like you can be a a dope artist, but not be really an entertainer in nature. And then you can be like an artist and an entertainer, or you could just be probably an entertainer. Totally. Or you can be um, just a songwriter, you know what I mean? And just be behind the scenes or, sing other people's songs but we would never know because you make them your own you know I think of like some of Nina Simone's songs that I love the most and I just assume she wrote everything she sang you know but like there's some songs that were Bob Dylan's or you know different people's that she sung and I just love her version because she could embody everything you know and the way she arranged it and she wasn't I wouldn't call her an entertainer because she wasn't about like you know I heard she even did some shows with her back to the audience but she was like a badass artist and performer yeah you know yeah um and it it is it is interesting, you know, and some people like even how they are publicly, it says nothing about how they are in their 
personalized. They're off stage. Haven't you met some people that are like, <laughs> you know, and then you're like backstage and it's just, you know, exactly. you're like, where'd that come from? It's true. And then Never also know. fascinating examples of like uh, Rodriguez, like with, uh, mm. blew me away. Yeah. Uh, if everyone, anyone hasn't seen Searching for Sugar Man, but like South Africa, the guy was like bigger than the Rolling Stones. But yeah. in the U.S., he never hit it. Right. Like so he was on the same level, interesting enough, as Bill Withers and uh, was kicked off the label. And, you know, he's a day laborer, you know, social yeah. justice activist living in like Detroit in, in, in a room that needs to be heated by a wood stove, you know, yeah. yet, yeah. yet. And then he finds out like late in life, 40 years later that like, he's like the rolling stone. That, that like story another was like, world going on, right? Yeah. A whole nother reality where it's like, can you imagine in a parallel universe, like sliding doors, yeah. like he some other country. Um, wasn't getting his royalty checks. No, no. Well, that was the interesting okay, part of the documentary. Like it, was, it was popular, but he wasn't getting those royalty checks because he was still. He was not. He was not. And it was clear when the documentary uh, director asked the the gentleman who uh, yeah. was owned the label that it got a little, it got a little sensitive yeah. in the doc. I mean, yeah, no, he, how many people that royalties. happened to, especially, I think, in that generation? Yeah. Yeah, that and that's the benefit and the ch- risk, right? With doing it independently, right? You the the benefit is you don't have, I would imagine, like the label that owns your masters and ultimately then controls your life. The challenge is you've got to do absolutely everything on your own. Yeah. Um. Excuse me for a minute. We got We Talk probably got to wrap it up here. It looks like you've got you've got maybe something <laughs> I'm to like check in. Getting on mommy must go find him my home office um no this is like this is like the comedy of like every like zoom call and skype and even ig when i went live on ig there's like the there's like there's no away at work so it's like at a certain point um the fourth wall is broken Well, family first always. Um, and it's it's all good because we've actually gone longer than we thought, but I've just been loving the conversation so yes, much. Yes, me so, too. Me too. Yeah, I'm every, happy. Every time we chat, this. I love it. Thank you. I love yeah. talking to you too. And just like hearing what you're doing at different stages. I think when we ran back into each other, you were doing peak mind stuff and it's awesome that now you're doing the podcast stuff. Yeah. I like podcast stuff because you don't have to um you don't have to be as scripted and you can say anything and it's okay, right? It's like It's been a gift. It's been yeah. a gift of my life. Real real talk. It's just like I feel like um you know, one of the things that's interesting about this time is I've really thought about to bring it back full circle, the quality of relationships and the quality Mm -hmm. of undivided time, right? Like Mm -hmm. how often now do you actually get an hour of someone's undivided attention? Mm -hmm. Like that's hard even for many families. So the gift, I think, in terms of... We're all getting to know each other real well. (laughs) Real well. (laughs) So I think the, 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 the gift for me of this process has been like, you know, like obviously, you know, we, we've chatted and, and, and this and that, but, but I think, you know, having a, not that one needs an excuse to dive deep, but I love the idea of having a platform 
with the intention of hopefully being, you know, creating um, mutual value, but also having an orientation towards an audience. And so much content, quote unquote, that's generated these days is so yeah. short and people's attention spans are, are so short. But what's amazing about the podcast is like people spend hours consuming that content. Yeah. It's still one of the rare areas where like people will tap in and give you their undivided attention and go on a journey with you. Yeah. So I'm so grateful that uh, that you were willing to go on the journey with me. And this Thank won't be our you. last journey. Yes. Yes. <laughs> now this was fun. And where can people, for those listening, where are the best ways that people can find you online, socials? Where, where can they come be part of your universe? Everything is just the spelling of my name. Um, Guapale or Huapele, depending on where you are. And it's G-O-A-P-E-L-E, just at G-O-A-P-E-L-E. That's Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, whatever. If you're looking at my music, it's just under my first name. Yes. And I highly recommend, I'll link to, uh, I'll link to this, uh, what we referenced below in the show notes. Um, closer, the website, all that, socials. Um, but definitely everyone check out uh, Guapale's music. And she's, uh, yeah, you uh, you have a true grace. I Thank mean, no you. Question about that. Thank you. Um, and we're going to do a little something in the not so distant future. So stay tuned. I'll announce it through the list. Uh, but we're going to do a little, some songs, etc. So thank you, Guapale, for your, for your you. energies. I and for how you show it. up as a human. Mm, thank you for how you show up as a human. Yeah. Honestly. Feels good. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. Until we meet again. Okay. Ciao, ciao. <laughs> and there you have it. I hope you enjoyed that episode with Guapale as much as I did. She's such a radiant uh, soul and has such a stunning voice and is such a, uh, an incredible advocate um, out in the world. So I'm grateful to call her a friend. And I hope you loved the conversation. If you did, please go ahead and leave a rating and review on iTunes. Uh, your five-star uh, ratings and reviews really help us move up the algorithm and enable us to get incredible guests. So it means the world to me. I've been getting some incredible feedback from you guys. If you haven't signed up to the uh, email list, you can go to peakmind.org. I send out uh, some exclusive content every week. Uh, there as well. So uh, I'm very, very grateful for you guys being part of this community. It's, it's, um, you know, we're all doing the best we can to move through and navigate these uncertain times. And uh, you giving me your time and energy means the world to me. So thank you guys so much. Please go out there and live your inspired 